630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite team. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Okay, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Oilers tomorrow, 5.30 face-off show. Furtis Family Oilers Hockey game will start around 7.50. Game 5, Oilers at Flames. Can the Oilers win the BOA? They won the previous one, played back in 1991, a 3-1 series lead. NHL action tonight. And it is Colorado leading 2 nothing on the St. Louis Blues. That is after the first period as uh, Colorado will try to win that series. Good chat with Craig McTavish. He uh, speaks very highly of Mike Smith and said, yeah, he let in that long-range goal. But uh, as McT said, he's playing with house money in his mind. He's uh, made a lot of big saves, and you, you knew he was going to bounce back from that one. Jay Woodcroft, shortly after the Oilers arrived in Calgary today, talked about uh, the others, uh, other Oilers players and why they want to play for their goalkeeper. Somebody's passion, um, it shows up uh, in how you conduct yourself on a day-by-day business. And I think with Mike Smith, there's, there is no bluff, there's no pretense, there's no artifice. Uh, he is who he is. Um, he comes to the rink every day with the purpose to be the best that he can be. I think he displays good leadership in moments that most people outside the team don't get to see. Um, but just in his voice in the room. Um, you know, at different times, whether he's playing in that game or not playing in the game. Um, I think the way he approaches his uh, preparation, how he takes care of himself to make sure that he's ready. I also think that this year didn't go 100% smooth for Mike Smith. I think uh, there were moments that he had to work through and he just kept getting better and better. And um, as I said, he is very comfortable in his own skin and that resonates with the rest of his team and uh, I know he will lead the way with his preparation um, because he he understands uh, the importance of uh, getting off to a good start here in game number five all right uh, well what, what an interesting player he's been to watch really over the course of his career and now in Edmonton for the past three years such a unique goalie with how he plays the puck. I had someone say to me a couple of weeks ago who I, I trust a lot when it comes to talking about goaltending, who said you would never teach a goaltender now to play how Mike Smith plays, but it's working for him. And so many questions about Smith when he was hurt for the for most of the first half of the season and didn't play that great when he was in the net. Well, he's certainly been pretty 
well, he's been excellent. He's been more than solid. I would say he's been excellent for the last couple of months. Just a, sure, a couple of blips along the way, but he's uh, always been able to bounce back. I think he provides the Oilers with a, a unique energy that maybe they didn't have before. I'd say the same thing about Evander Kane, quite frankly, and it's all working for Edmonton so far. But uh, Mac T made a great point in the last section of his interview the best chance to knock out a team is the first time you have a chance to win that fourth game. If, if Calgary wins tomorrow, they get a little bit more belief and they think, okay, we just got to win one road game now to get them back in our building for game seven. So the storylines continue so much fun following this, isn't it? I'm sure Douglas is having a blast. He's on the certainty hotline at seven, eight, zero, four, nine, six, zero, zero, six, three. Go ahead, Douglas. Yeah, I'm doing all right, Reed. And, Good. Uh, I'm just remembering about uh, my travels uh, when I was in Australia, and I, and we traveled back uh, to Canada and landed in Vancouver and picking up other friends from Australia that were with me, and Oilers won their first Stanley Cup there on my birthday, May 19, 1984, was it? So, so, so you were in Australia for that? No, I've just landed in Vancouver. Oh, sorry, you just oh, landed in Vancouver. My 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 mistake. Okay. Because at that time it was a you had to land in Vancouver, and uh, four visitors from Australia coming there, uh, and they just loved hockey, but just understand what it was all about. Yeah, but when they when the Oilers won May 19, 1984, on my birthday in Vancouver, uh, it was the best uh, day of my life. Well, that's that's a great story. Thanks for sharing that. How are you feeling about the series right now? Uh, feeling pretty good. Uh, I've been down to Calgary. Uh, I lived in Calgary before. Don't tell anyone. But I, I'm Edmontonian. But I was down at the uh, when Gretzky scored the shorthanded goal. I was invited down there uh, because of friends from U of A, and I was I'm at that game, and it was uh, beautiful. So I I'm feeling pretty good about the Oilers' chances. Okay. Douglas, I enjoy when you call. Thanks for tuning in. No worries, Rick. Take care. That is Douglas at 780-496-0063 as the Oilers get set to take on the Flames tomorrow in Game 5. Nugent Hopkins, uh, four goals now in the playoffs. He has two two two-goal games. Last night's goals uh, far more significant than the uh, than the piling on goals he got in the 8-2 win over the Los Angeles Kings. He scored two uh, late in that game to help extend it from 5-2 to 8-2. Evander Kane also got the hat trick in that game. Zach Hyman today commenting on uh, Nugent Hopkins and his game. You know, he's the ultimate team player, um, ultimate teammate, just a, a great person, uh, wants to win as, as much as anyone and uh, is willing to, you know, I think he's he willing to play another role, right? I, I think uh, for a guy as talented as, as he was, he was playing that third-line center role for, for a while there when when Leo was playing center. Um, so, you know, he, he plays in all situations, power play, penalty kill, uh, at the end of the game, um, whether we're up or down. So he's a guy who's counted on in all situations situations and you know it doesn't matter to him well Nugent Hopkins has been playing a lot uh because as Hyman said he is on both special teams he, he kills penalties and he's on the power play Nugent Hopkins got to 22-44 last night that led not just Oilers forwards that led the Oilers in ice time and I, I get it and I brought it up myself sometimes that there are moments or games where you might wish you got a little more five-on-five five for Nugent Hopkins. 
I should also add the way the the lines are often structured now, he often doesn't get the quality of wingers that uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl get. Uh, but a pretty good shift there late in the game with Yamamoto and Hyman. And by the way, I think Yamamoto has been very, very good in, in the postseason. Um, we'll, we'll see if he's on that line to start the game tomorrow. I know they still keep giving Pugliarvi a look in the top six to, to start each game. We'll see if they do that tomorrow. But for, for Nugent Hopkins, uh, obviously a beloved player. And I, I, I thought he had a great game yesterday. He got the two goals had five shots on goal, also credited with five blocked shots, which uh, tied for the lead on the Oilers. Darnell Nurse also had five. So uh, an important player because he's out in so many different situations. One of the best, I think he and Hyman are the best penalty killers when it comes to the forwards. And on the power play, good passer, good vision, doesn't shoot a lot on the power play now. I mean, they, they are clearly working it over to Dreisaitl. McDavid took the shot last night that led to Hyman getting the rebound. But I, I think everybody was happy for Nugent Hopkins last night. Big moment for him to get that game winner uh, as the Oilers pulled out the 5-3 victory. Now, of course, uh, the Oilers got to try and finish it off. Here's Hyman on what the Oilers expect from the Flames tomorrow night. Any team that's got their back against the wall um, that's facing an elimination game, you know, it's, it's hard to, to beat a team and knock them out. So I, I think we're expecting, uh, you know, uh, the, their best version, right? I think that that's, that's to be expected and that's what we're preparing for. And again, I, I thought that was a pretty good game by Calgary. They, they fell behind on the gaff by uh, Markstrom. They gave up a shorthanded goal and Mac T referenced it. They were really strong in the last five minutes of the first period. I mean, they had the Oilers hemmed in for a couple of minutes until they got the puck out. And then the Oilers kind of got a bounce. The Kane shot changes direction off a stick and fools Markstrom. The, the flames were good. I mean, the flames had a good game and I would expect more of the same tomorrow night. Uh, I thought Lindholm played really, really well. I thought that was Backlund's best game of the series. Uh, I, I know Rob mentioned that probably Kachuk has been a little quieter than you might expect since game one. Uh, that's probably fair, but we know that he's an excellent player. And uh, Chris Tanev is out there. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I know I'm not talking to a Calgary Flames fan base here, but I think you got to admire that he's out there gutting it out like some of the guys on the Oilers as well. I, I think if this was a regular season game, you wouldn't have seen Chris Tanev return to the lineup uh, last night. All right, we'll hear a little bit more from Woodcroft, uh, from Hyman. And from Derek Ryan, I got time to hear from you as well. 780-496-0063 is the hotline powered by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling system. CertainTeed, pro all the way. It's Inside Sports on Chet. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 630 Chet. It is now 3-0 for the Colorado Avalanche, leading the St. Louis Blues. 14 minutes left in the second period. Avalanche looking very, very good to advance to the West Final, where they will play the winner of the series between the Calgary Flames and the Edmonton Oilers. 5.30 face-off show tomorrow. Former Oilers goaltender Andy Moog is scheduled to join me. That'll be fun to catch up with Andy as the Oilers have a 3-1 series lead. It, it is such a process and such a, a journey to go through the regular season and then get into the playoffs. And then you got all these challenges in the postseason. And uh, we know for the story for the Oilers, 
disappointing start, two blowout victories, and then two games where, for the most part, they played pretty poorly. Go to L.A., facing elimination, win the game, win game seven, and now doing pretty well against the uh, Calgary Flames. Derek Ryan was asked about the team's strong play since the sixth game against the Kings. I think that um, uh, in our group we talked a lot before that game about focusing on the one game ahead. Um, I think maybe you can look at that game specifically because L.A. had had a push and they'd won a couple games in a row, and that happens in the playoffs. The other team's going to have good moments in a game. They're going to have a good couple games maybe, and L.A. was a great team. They played really hard, and they were a a tough battle. So um, I think it's easy to look at that game and say it's a turning point, but I also think that it's just the ups and downs of playoffs and being able to to turn it at that point into a spot where, okay, we just need to play one good game. And that's basically how playoffs work, no matter we're down 3-2 in that series or now we're up 3-1. We need to play one good game. As uh, Derek Ryan, of course, going up against his former team, the Calgary Flames, tomorrow night. Ryan was also uh, asked about, this is the latest audio today. The Oilers uh, spoke this afternoon after arriving in Calgary. He was asked about Rasmus Anderson's long-range tying goal and then the Oilers' response. I was on the bench as stunned as everybody, but um, playoffs, that kind of stuff happens, you know, the ups and downs, the momentum. And I think that our group did a really good job of just resetting and saying, okay, um, we came out, we're playing a really structured and detailed third period. We didn't get a bounce. Now what are we going to do? Are we just going to sit back and and hope we win? Or are we going to go out and, and play the game we, ne- we know we need to play to, to get another one? And um, really proud of our group for being able to do that. I was trying to think last night about long-range goals that I've seen. Um, Kelly Rudy talked about giving one up in the, in the second year of his career. Uh, probably every goaltender has a horror story at some point in his career that he, he gave up a, a goal from center ice or even inside the other team's end. Like last night, I, I think the longest one I'd ever seen in person before. And don't ask me how I remember this um, because, uh, oh, we got a live band, Kellen. Let's nice. tell them they're early. Yes, uh, they're way too early. <laughs> uh, the... It was when I was covering the AJHL, and it, I think it was the first year I was, the full year I covered the league. So it would have been 2000, 2001. And I believe, now look, I have no video or box score that I'm going off. So I'm doing this purely off memory. I believe it was a game between the Lloydminster Blazers and the Camarillo's Kodiaks. And th- this would have been b- before, obviously, the Blazers changed their name to the Bobcats. And I, I don't even remember who scored it, but I believe there was a forward who won a puck battle around his own faceoff dot and, and slapped the puck down the ice and it went on goal. But it was a low one. And I think the goalie just misplayed it because I remember it was one of those, he kind of had his stick down and it hit his stick and, and squeaked underneath him. So I think he just maybe got a little too casual on it or he, it snuck up on him and he didn't have his stick down all the way. And it, and it went in. It wasn't, at least I don't th- think it was last night where he didn't see it. He probably didn't see it until the last minute. The funny thing about last night's goal was is Smith didn't even see that until it went by him. And I watched the the replays of it, and that there is that angle from behind the Edmonton net, and it it, it goes high in the air, uh, and, and there looked like there was a point where kind of two players were, were crisscrossing and there was a small sort of crevice between them and it went right between. So I, I suppose that all played a factor in Smith having a trouble picking it up, but 
definitely one of the the weirdest goals I've ever seen in person. I suppose I mean now with all these countdown shows and blooper of the week and YouTube and everything, you can find tons of goals to say that you saw it. But in terms of seeing a goal from that far out in person, it's the longest one I've seen on a goalie covering an NHL game for sure. We got Martin on the Certainty Hotline. Martin, thanks for calling. Go ahead. You want to talk about funny goals? Sure. Try this one out for size. 1989, the final between the Oilers and the Bruins. They had a power play, and they had the guy dead to right, and I don't know who it was at the time, but I think it was Klima, split the defense, walked right in, and he tucked it right under the bar. Oh, the 1990 final, is that what you're going back to? Okay, cool. Well, Klima, uh, thanks for the call, Martin. I, I, I don't. I, the goal that stands out for me for Peter Klima is the is the triple overtime goal uh, off the drop pass from Yari Curry, which was uh, pretty in- incredible. Scored on Andy Moog, who I just mentioned is scheduled to join me on the Faceoff Show tomorrow. That that I don't remember the exact Klima one that Martin is talking about, um, but certainly magnitude of goals. You'd have Klima's uh, triple overtime goal against uh, against the Bruins is one of the biggest goals in Oilers history for sure. That one was from from inside the blue line. Yeah, lo- I, like I've said to Rob last night, I think in 94, the, the Rangers were not really challenged in the first two rounds, but I think Mike Richter gave up a, a long-range goal possibly to Kevin Hatcher in their second-round series win over the Capitals. I think it was one of those long ones that went along the ice and then kind of squeaked underneath them. So that's one I've seen in the NHL. Um, who is it? They we were the other one. They're talking about uh, Lidstrom on Kluche from a Detroit Vancouver series. Yeah, two thousand four, I think it was. But that was that was from center ice. It wasn't from inside his own blue line. Mm-hmm. But that was a long range one. Sure, a funny one. At, at least it's more of a footnote as opposed to a backbreaker, since the Oilers did find a way to win that game. Okay, uh, here's what we're gonna do. We gotta do the news and weather. We are gonna visit with Morley Scott as the uh, Elks have a preseason game, probably on Friday probably because the the CBA stuff is still ongoing and being decided so uh, probably hopefully there there won't be inside sports on Friday we'll bring you a football game instead Uh, inside sports on Chet back in a couple minutes 630 Chet inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at 6 on 630 Chet